It's on. There we go. We got two. Folks, welcome back to the Covert Show. Episode number seven zero, the good old seventy bomb. Uh just we would like to point this out for you guys. Uh if you can't tell the somewhat lack of excitement on the first half of the intro, we've been going through some shit early. <laughs> early and often, as they say. First off, we'll, we'll break this down for you. So my Wi-Fi is currently shitting itself and not allowing me to connect from where this closed door behind me is all the way from the living room, which is 100 feet, to my office space. Then we tried to Skype call. It worked for five seconds. JC sounded like a robot. I ditched my Wi-Fi. I sounded like a robot. And then I dropped all together. So then we went through playing phone tag, trying to figure out who was working, who was not. And then we ended up just doing a phone call. Then we proceed to get into this whole entire shit of now JC can't hear me. I can hear JC. His computer apparently is trying to go to fucking Mars. And (laughs) (laughs) this is where we're at. So ladies and gentlemen, episode number 70 of the Covert Show has started off with a great big bang. That's our soapbox. I think it's time to take a drink of the good old peach bush latte because holy shit, do I need one. Oh, that is fantastic. That might be our best intro of all time. <laughs> we are dealing with first world problems in whatever world we, like, live in. It's, I yeah, guess, it's it, I don't even fat. know. Oh, it's, it's just, it's been one of those kind of, I wouldn't say weeks, but, like, span of two weeks for us to where we got you yeah. episode 69, and then last week, both of us just kind of hit a hiatus of, I was sitting in a tree, JC had football, and was going to the wild card games in Toronto, so we had all that, li- or in, not Toronto, in Minnesota, we had I, all that. I wish. Yeah. No shit. And we had that all line up, and we were just like, neither one of us kind of like said something, and we were just like, I think it'll be good for a break. And so then we get back into this week, and now we're here on a good old Thursday night, October 12th, and... It's good to be back, but I mean, it would be nice for us to not have to deal with as much bullshit as we do. <laughs> well, and I mean, the fact that we're not recording on the 13th is a massive W. That, yeah, but we're getting the luck of the frickin' 13th, aren't we? Uh, yeah, I t- getting it started early. I totally forgot about that. Tomorrow is Friday the 13th. Oh, yeah. And it comes in spooky season, so all you know, yep. all the all the gals are gonna be. Somebody get me my Starbies. We got pumpkin spice on Friday the thirteenth. Yes, that was a dig. <laughs> I am so sorry, but it's so true at the same time. <laughs> I mean, a dig can be true, and and that's definitely one of them. It's called a joke, people. If you guys can't take it, then I don't know what to tell you. I might as well just pull then out. Then go get you some pumpkin spice lattes and cry about it. That's what you can do. In the words of a person who has been on TikTok, life's tough. Get a helmet, man. <laughs> I died on that, dude. That has been rolling through my mind rent-free on that comment. Oh, my <sighs> Lord. That's, that's I, great. There's, there's just so much going on in the world, and we'll keep politics out of it because no one – no one really That's cares about that. That's an absolute rabbit hole at the moment that uh, we don't have the time nor the brain capacity to talk about it. Nor do we have, <laughs> like, the freaking energy capacity for it because that could take us I'll, – I'll, I'll, here, I'll shorten it down in five seconds. Politics, oh boy. politics suck. Everybody's horrible. 
Just move <laughs> on. There we go. Politics for the day. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. Oh, we got a fight in the Vegas game. Keegan Colasar is taking on whoever number four of San Jose is. Oh, you love to see it. Keegan Colasar. Is that Brent? Oh, that's not Brent Burns. That's the wrong team. Wow. We got a fight. So far, they're letting them roll. Fight. Fight. I don't know. Fight, who, fight. I don't know who number four is, but I know Keegan Colasar. Good lord! Yeah, in case oh, anybody's in case anybody's curious. Oh yeah, Keegan Colasar jacking him up. <laughs> it's over. Keegan Colasar spins into the ice. That was not a whole lot going on there because he didn't really swing. But number four, whose name I still don't know, <laughs> certainly got worse <laughs> for wear. This is after Brett Howden for Vegas, by the way. Uh, got a super awesome two-game suspension after hitting a uh, oh who they open up against the San Jose Sharks. They're not San Jose Sharks. The uh, that's who they're playing tonight. The Kraken got a two-game. Uh, oh, they both got five-minute majors for it. Let's go! I can't stay focused for three seconds here. Uh, high hit, shoulder to the head from uh, Brett Howden in game one for Vegas. He's gone two games. Easy call in the game, but some rivals going at it in San Jose. You love to see it. Sharks well, not backing down. They look pretty decent in the first two minutes of this game. Trying to beat the But Vegas also starting Logan Thompson. So that is noteworthy. Well, I mean, they're trying to beat the defending Stanley Cup champs, and I mean, we might as well just stay with it because JC's been excited about this. I was going to say, this. we're going one road or the other road. No, we're going one. I didn't know which one we were going to. We'll take this road, yeah. folks. It's it's good old hockey time in the good old state of USA and the good old country of Canada up north. But we're, we're rocking with some good old hockey. The NHL is officially back, and teams are getting after it. I believe this is the beginning of the regular season, if I'm not mistaken, mm. correct? Yeah, we're on day three of the regular season. Boom. Uh, Vegas is playing their second game. Devils played their first game earlier today. We'll talk about that. But big rivalry matchup here. And is San Jose any better than they were last year? Hard to be worse because they were terrible last year. But we'll keep you, keep you posted as we roll through this one. But – you go back to opening night, some interesting ones. Uh, if you flash back to two days ago, Good old uh, Tuesday. opening games yeah. Tampa Bay beat Nashville 5 3, Chicago beats Pittsburgh 4 2, and Vegas beats Seattle 4 1. So we'll start with Nashville, Tampa. Nashville looked so, so slow compared to Tampa. I don't know how much of this you watched at any point. If you watched any of it, zero. Uh, I have not been able to watch hockey at all yet. <laughs> Tampa looked mild better, and here's the thing: the moment this game was tied three to three, within I want to say two minutes after uh, the Preds tied it, they go on the power kill, give up a power play to Tampa, who scores it, and uh, Tampa gets a late game. Uh, uh, empty net goal. They win 5-3. Biggest note from Tampa, Vasilevsky's out for two months. Might be back sooner. Uh, so he didn't start this game. Johansson was in net for the Lightning. So 
a four third period goals helped the Lightning get past the Preds. Connor Bedard starts in his first game back on Tuesday, uh, taking on Pittsburgh, who, you know, you being a fan of an East Coast team probably are aware are one of the teams everybody is hyping up to be good. Uh, if you ask me, unwarranted. I mean, they got Sidney Crosby, but after that, the list gets pretty short. And they're in the Metro. Who's got five teams that are better than they are? Uh, so Penguins go up 2-0 in this game. Uh, Crosby got his goal. Uh, Rust scored. And then uh, Chicago rattles off four straight. Bedard gets his first point. As he would got an assist on the Donato goal that was the first one. So Blackhawks come back to win in that. And then Vegas... Raising a championship banner out of a slot machine is quite literally as Vegas as it gets. I think it's pretty badass, honestly. <laughs> like, you got to go with it your culture and what it is. That's the one good thing about Vegas. I mean, they're not liked around the league by most. I, it, it seems to me, you know, trolling the internet to see, like, the opinion of various teams. Like, there's just certain teams – that most don't like. When, Vegas is one of them. When their fans always text some other fan that it's night's time. <laughs> just don't like them. Here's the thing. You only have to deal with it like every once in a while. I get barraged with the bullshit all the time. Oh. So I was going to get to this point, but you kind of led me right to it. So RC and I watched the opening, okay. which was a puck drop of 10-14. Central, oh. by the way. Oh. Vegas wins four to one. Okay. So you hear that and you think to yourself, oh, oh, Vegas was playing well. Here's what happens. They score their first goal, a goal by Chandler Stevenson. The second goal, Seattle shoots into their own net. So they're down two to nothing after one. Barbashev gets a goal. And then uh, McCann scored, made it 3-1. Jack Eichel got one late. The, the best thing that Vegas got out of this was we talked about Brett Howden. He got that uh, uh, game misconduct or whatever you want to call it, five-minute penalty. The best thing that they got out of this was Aiden Hill. Um, Aiden Hill had to face a five-minute match penalty and didn't allow a goal during it. That was the most impressive thing. And you know, I'm obviously not biased. If you if you ask RC, they probably he probably thinks they played the greatest game. That they were 0 for 4 on the power play. They got one of the goals put in for them by Seattle. And they get one late from Jack Eichel. The biggest highlight of the game. And notably the first star of the game as it should be uh, was Aiden Hill, who I I can't even remember. Look it up here quick. How many? He was 32 of 33 for shots Jeez. saved. So you know, starting off with a solid like 970 save percentage, that'll that'll help the cause. But Vegas picks up that win, and then we moved into yesterday. Six more games. Most of these kind of went the way you thought they would. 
Uh, Bedard gets his first goal for Chicago in a three to one loss to Boston. Uh, Matthews gets a hat trick and a shootout win over Montreal, six five for Toronto. Carolina wins over Ottawa, five three. You know, pretty pedestrian. Colorado beats the Kings five two. Again, pretty pedestrian. Uh, in the game that, if you looked at the schedule, and I kind of thought was the best game, Calgary beats Winnipeg five three. And then the game that makes you question a lot of things, you know, in the West, one of the teams that's been dialed in on to be a real contender, Edmonton. Edmonton gets beat by Vancouver. And not just beat, destroyed. 8-1. How do you – and well, okay, never mind. I can't just ask this question. I was going to say, how do you allow eight goals in a game? But then again, I go back to the Florida Panthers playoff game and we allowed like seven goals eight in the span of five Here's minutes. Here's the thing. There, there is so much that – Oh, that's you, terrifying. You, you, the entire offseason, all Edmonton's been talking about is Vegas pissed them off. They're going to be better. And they're going to come out, and they're they're they they want Vegas in the playoffs. Which, if I'm an Edmonton fan, yeah, I would want them too. Eight to one to a non-playoff team. They give up the first four before Drysaddle scores, and I'm going to give them another four. That's just. I mean, if you want to be, if you want to get back to your That's own playoff potential, bad. If you want to get back to your own playoff potential of where you were. Last year, unacceptable to happen on that. I mean, still, though, you take a look at where Edmonton was last year, and, I mean, still against Vegas, they were struggling decent, but they were still able to play pace with Vegas. This one just seems like if they would play Vegas right now, Edmonton's not standing a chance. And here's the thing. You know, it's major. I understand it completely. But 8-1 to to Vancouver is bad. Vancouver goes three of six on the power play, so that's something. But, yeah, it's a uh, remarkable score from yesterday. And then uh, I think most of today has gone final other than the Vegas game, which, you know, speaking of which, let's slide back over there and see what happens. Uh, We're on commercial break. Okay. Uh, We'll check back in on that one. Uh, Games today that have gone final. Two shutouts, and two, well, one of the two is what you'd expect. Actually, neither one of them is now that I'm actually reading the score. Nashville shuts out Seattle 3-0. Seattle is 0-2 to start the year. Nashville is 1-1. And then in the game, you'll have some interest in Minnesota Wild 2, Florida Panthers nothing. Pedestrian score, until you start looking at the stats, 41 shots on goal for uh, for the Florida Panthers, 21 for Minnesota. Uh, Gustafson's your uh, first star of the game because that's an incredible outing. Uh, Faber and Erickson get the goals. Looking at some more of the stat lines from that, Florida, 41 shots on goal, 12 penalty minutes, 0 for 3 on the power play. 
I'm glancing here at the penalties where they made them up. There was a, there was some fighting that happened. Weird Florida uh, Panthers fighting. Yeah, well, Florida is a much different team than they were last year, and I, to be quite frank, don't think it's for the better. I don't think you know this is a game you'll look at because Minnesota was a playoff team last year. I don't think you know you knee jerk too hard to this one, but boy, I tell you, forty-one shots on goal and you get nothing—that's pretty incredible. Uh, so, Panthers off to an zero and one start. Minnesota. As that's surprising. Uh, also, not too surprising, Philadelphia gets her done against Columbus 4-2. Rangers pound Buffalo. That's another team that all offseason, all we've been hearing is Buffalo Sabres are the next playoff team. The Rangers, well, they're good. Lafayette scored. Chris Kreider scored because, of course, he did. Actually, Kreider got two in the game. Jacob Truba scored for the Panarin as well for the Rangers. Uh, Paterka scores for the Buffalo Sabres. Kreider gets the first star. Yeah, just, you know, as much as it pains me to say it being a Devils fan, New York is going to be a, a legit team in the Metro. I don't think they'll win the Metro, but they will be certainly in the top three. Uh, Dallas beats St. Louis in a shootout. That one just went final. As uh, we'll slide back over to the Vegas game here. Boy, that's a long commercial break. It is still 0-0. Zero, zero. <laughs> Score updates. Zero, all right, 0-0. Zero, zero. So uh, Dallas comes back and beats St. Louis. Ben gets the goal in uh, the shootout. DeShane and Robertson get her done. Dallas starts off. That's another West Coast team. And finally, and on the front end of a back-back, New Jersey Devils pick up a win. Devils have a league-high 16 back-to-backs this year. As the Devils get it done tonight, home opener, they knock out Detroit 4-3 in a game that was slow going for the Devils. They only get six shots in the first 20 minutes. Vanacek looked tremendous. Down the stretch, Jack Hughes scores two goals. Dougie Hamilton uh, scores one, and then the game winner goes to Eric Halla. Vanacek, while he gave up three goals, one was on a terrible penalty call that the uh, Devils went on the power kill and couldn't kill off. One was a lucky bounce, and then, you know, the final one is when the Red Wings were surging down to uh, six on, or I think it was a five on four because of a penalty. So not a bad night at all for Vanacek. And then the Devils tomorrow get good old Arizona. So the first back-to-back, not terrible, but I do want to point this out for next Monday. The first showdown between Florida and New Jersey. Panthers. So the Devils, Devils uh, play tomorrow, and then Saturday they have off. Uh, Florida's back in action at Winnipeg on Saturday. Then they'll have a day off, and then they'll go to Newark on Monday, 
and that'll be the first podcast showdown of the season. We'll see how good Ford is. I am genuinely intrigued to see with all the pieces they moved and how they, I don't want to say gutted themselves, but kind of gutted themselves, um, how that works out for them. But that's kind of a quick look there. Standings, well, we'll talk about them, but only like five teams have gone final. Maybe. Everybody's still pretty much sitting at your one and ones, Owen. I yeah. don't think anybody's winners, really 0 4. Winners in the uh, Atlantic Division were Tampa, Boston, Toronto. Losers, Detroit, Ottawa, Florida, Buffalo. And then overtime losers, Montreal. The Metro has, well, four of these six teams that have played so far. Devils, Flyers, Hurricanes, and Rangers win. Islanders and Capitals have yet to play. Blue Jackets and Penguins lose. West West Division in the Central. Uh, Colorado, Minnesota, and Dallas all winners. Chicago and uh, Nashville one and one. Blues lose in overtime. And Winnipeg is over in the Pacific. Right now being led by Vancouver. Kind of fun to say that because that probably won't last. Uh, Vancouver, Vegas, and Calgary 1-0. 0-2 Kraken. Well, they're already uh, in that uh, last place position. Edmonton and L.A. also 0-1. And that's kind of a look at it. This month left to go. The Devils. Uh, talk about tomorrow. Well, the 13th, I should say. Uh, they will be taking on the Coyotes. 16th is Florida, 20th is the Islanders, and 24th is the Canadians. Last uh, week of the month, we've got Capitals 25th, Buffalo 27th, and Minnesota on the 29th. So, a solid rundown of the old NHL. And I can't believe it, but I think Philadelphia might pull it off in the MLB. (laughs) Not to spoil our next segue, but... Despite the, I'm gonna so we'll 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 move move through this here real quick because I'm gonna put I'm gonna go back like a couple of games here because I want to talk about this because I want to see where your projection on this was. You have one out in the bottom of the ninth. You are on first base, and if anybody hasn't seen this play, you must live under a rock or you're not a baseball fan. Bryce Harper on first. Deep fly ball, I mean, yes, you are absolutely thinking you are scoring on this play. Deep fly ball hit out to freaking right center field. Um, I forget who it was for the Braves out there. Wasn't it Arias or whatever for out in center? For yeah, Atlanta. I can't remember who it was. Yeah, Makes the snag against the wall, crashes into the wall, gets the ball. Bryce Harper is already rounding second halfway to third on this. I understand it's the heat of the moment. I understand that you're trying to make the play, get there, score. As baseball IQ goes on this far side of the line, you're stopping at second base in case this ball is caught. Because Bryce Harper is fast enough to where even if he stops, that ball is off the wall. He's getting to, getting home, no issue. Instead, his issue was he was halfway to freaking third and now has to rerun all the way back to first. And Austin Riley able to catch it, throw it over for the out on the relay throw that was way overthrown, which gave Bryce more time to get back. So I'm going to ask the question, 
which I think he's already gotten a lot of scrutiny for, which is fine. He's an MLB player. If he can't deal with it, fine. I'm not there. I probably might have made the same mistake. No one's going to know because I'm sitting at home on my couch like the Cubs, Blue Jays, Twins, and everybody else. I'm just sitting here. But I got to ask because the baseball player in me, what are you doing? Like, I understand you're trying to read this, but like, oh, my Lord. I I think it goes back to where you started with – you, you really want to score from first there. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think that's a play that 90% of the time isn't caught. I would agree. And certainly isn't caught and then thrown um, thrown back in the way it was to where you're going to get that out. It just... But, I mean, I'm with you. I mean, I'd be mad if I was a Phillies fan at, at the moment. I, I think they're... They're about to join the Diamondbacks in the NLCS, which uh, we'll get into it more once we get there. But I kind of want to go, I want to flashback all the way back to the beginning of the playoffs because, you know, I like to relive misery because that's what being a Blue Jays fan the last five years in the playoffs has been. We got to go back a Let's long back. way. A long Nine way. So we're going to go back to wild card game one. For everybody, the AL East, the juggernaut division. I bragged it up all year. We're so good. Remember that. Remember it, folks. Tampa Bay, Texas. I don't think there's a soul on this planet that wasn't from Texas that thought Texas is going to go in and just ramrod Tampa Bay. <laughs> Game one, Montgomery outdo outdoes Flash now. Four nothing Texas. Oh my! Philadelphia Miami. We're going game by game here. We're going to cap. We're going to we're going to wrap this baby up each game that my team's in it with my team because I've I've got a lot to say and most of it's bad. (laughs) Philadelphia dispatches Miami game one four one exactly what you expected. Now this next game I got grief about from pretty much everybody. My dad is a Reds fan, so I think there was some NL Central bias here. But when I was picking my teams, I picked Tampa, Toronto, Arizona, Philly. Because the Diamondbacks were that dark horse team. They have been the whole season. destroys Milwaukee. Goes into Milwaukee, a 92-win team, and says, 92 wins nothing, 6-3. And then we come to the game... Minnesota, Toronto. For those of you that like the name of Joe Biden going, Minnesota! That's what Toronto did when they were announcing where they played the playoffs. I thought it was funny. Anyway, this is where the amusement for me ends. (laughs) Game one. I finally get the opportunity to go to a playoff game because it's Minnesota. It's the middle of the week, which sucks. It's the middle of the day, which... Sucks. Also is and so we're in attendance. We're now in the dugout boxes, not to flex, but to flex. Minnesota, Toronto. The pitcher, Pablo Lopez versus Kevin Gosman. Game one. Now, if you don't know anything about Toronto Blue Jays history, you probably don't because you know you don't like the Blue Jays like I do. 
Aces in the playoffs have a tendency to choke. Clayton Kershaw. It. The Toronto Blue Jays. I gotta see if I can find this stat. It's the uh, the curse he's talking about is the same thing that the Dodgers' entire bullpen staff deals with when they get in the playoffs. It's called the Clayton Kershaw. You just tank your pitching well, staff. They actually have won stuff though. Let me let me pull you up a stat line. It's a it's a baseball guy. You'll cringe. I've we gotta uh, go back a ways to get this. Just Oh my god, it's been a long we've been living in a long time. Going back through the <laughs> likes and it's taking me a hot minute here. JC's going back through the history of Rolodex of how many times have the Blue Jays just not even been able to get through. It's a lot, in case anybody has All not noticed yet. We haven't won anything since 1993, for those that don't know your baseball history. Good old Joe Carter freaking hits a walk-off bomb. Yeah. Why is this so far back? But also, I think if my picks went right, and we'll get through a lot of them, I think I now have... No, my World Series teams are now officially kind of, despite on this... Both out, and we'll get to that later. I believe I went through some of my predictions right, though, besides the fact of when we get to the division series and how some teams just decided to, you know, light a fire and just keep it lit. Also, I apologize for everybody with my background noise. Currently, my window is open because I'm trying to save money and not have my air conditioner running, So, and it's cool outside. It's fall. I like the temperature. If you got a problem, at least you can deal. open your window. It's raining up here, so oh, it'll be raining down here in about probably under an hour. So, all right, here's the thing. He's got it. The Blue Jays lose three to one. There's a Bobachet running error, kind of, not really, depending on how you view it. Kevin Gosman gives up all three runs. So here's our aces in our playoff runs. 2015, David Price, regular season ERA, 2.3. Pretty damn good. Postseason ERA, 6.17. 2016, we made the ALCS like in 2015. Aaron Sanchez, 3 ERA, nah. 5.4 postseason ERA. You're going to notice a pattern, and it gets actually somehow worse. 2020, that was when we played Tampa. Hunjin Ryu, 2.69 ERA in the regular season. Postseason? 16.2 for the postseason. Oh, my Lord. 16 point. How in the hell? Anyway, 16.2. How in the. Anyways, I'm not done. 2022. Alec Manoa, 2.24. Notice how the ERAs in the regular season are going down. Well, Alec Manoa in the postseason last year against Seattle, 6.35. Better than 16. That's not saying Unbelievable. So, we go to this year, Kevin Gosman, 3.16. He got beat up a couple games. So, you know, that's that's not as bad as it sounds. And this postseason, an ERA of 9. Jeez. We have not won a playoff game since 2016. We've we never lost we our last seven playoff games. 
Uh, we haven't won a playoff series since the ALDS of 2016. You know, the Josh Donaldson comes around third, and the Blue Jays sweep the Texas Rangers. That one. Which was, in case anybody doesn't know for this, the Texas Rangers and the Blue Jays when it comes to postseason baseball, very, very heated rivalry when it comes through that. That's uh, because Texas is big mad because they can't beat us. Yeah, that's facts. So, in our last three seasons, Three of the last four years we made the playoffs, which is good. And just disintegrate like nothing you can believe. And so, long story short, Minnesota beats Toronto. It's the first time in 18 playoff games Minnesota's won. They hadn't won a playoff game in 19 years. They hadn't won a playoff series since 2002. So that rolls us to Wednesday. All these are sweeps, spoiler. But Texas blows out Tampa again. AL East is now 0-3. Start Miami gets smoked by oh, – well, it gets worse. Uh, Miami gets smoked by Philly 7-1. Arizona sweeps past Milwaukee. It's not much of an I told you so, but I told you so. And then we get to Blue Jays and Twins. Game two, Jose Barrios versus Sonny Gray. Jose Barrios is – in Minnesota. Remember, he pitched for Minnesota. This guy's throwing up zeros. Which, obviously, is what you want your guy to do that you put on the mound in elimination games. Valid. Our boneheaded manager or front office or somebody decides we're going to make a move in the fourth inning. That would be your pitching coach and your manager. (laughs) That depends who you ask. The front office says it's the manager. There's no way in hell John Schneider made that decision. Not by watching his post game. He was told by a strategist or a front office person that you're making this move. Because I don't know if you watched the playoff uh, game at that point or not, but Jose Barrios was cruising. Minnesota had nothing on him. And so, because we're the Blue Jays and want to throw, and I'll say this too, between pulling the pitcher in the third and the Vlad Guerrero pickoff with Bo Bichette at the plate, uh, I, I don't believe games are rigged. I'll say this. Or I don't believe games are scripted. But that game, if there's ever been a game I've watched, that screamed this was scripted from the start, this game was it. Wow. You pull Barrios in the fourth inning. Minnesota didn't do squat against him. You pull him unexplicably to the point where the Minnesota broadcast team is also going, what are these guys doing? That's the whole team. The entire crowd gets into it. The entire Minnesota bench is like, okay, pull the guy that was sitting us down. Dicey. They bring in Kikuchi in the middle of the inning. They get the bases loaded. They score two runs. Which, this is part two of what has pissed me off about this series. <laughs> There's been a lot. Not not only in, in this game. You know, the first game, Minnesota comes out with the momentum. They're favored. They're the better team. They're at home or they're, in theory, the better team. I still don't think they were, but there's not a soul that's going to convince me of that. 
we go to gotta find it here. I can't remember. I can't remember if it's the fifth or sixth. We'll see um, we it was the top of the fifth. So you just had an absolutely disastrous bottom of the fourth because somebody in Blue Jays, yeah, manage management, manager, bench coach, pitching coach, whoever the hell, there's finger pointing. Oh, I don't. I'm sure you haven't followed the saga, but there's finger pointing of who made the decision to pull Barrios. Anyway. The Blue Jays, with two outs, Sonny Gray, we were, we've stranded 25 runners between the two games in the series against the Twins as well. So let that number sink in. Vlad Guerrero walks. George Springer's at third, and there's two outs. In one of the most inexplicable I, I hate to say it for a lack of witted base running I have ever seen there's a runner at third you don't Vlad Guerrero do gets picked off at second with Sonny Gray pitching turns around picks Guerrero off with your best hitter at the plate both the chefs at the plate with a full count pitch coming you don't need to move. With a runner at third. How are you? What are you doing? You don't need Seriously. to run. You don't have any. There's nowhere to go. You have nowhere There's to go. nowhere to go. Your best bet is either you're going to take the strike three and it's going to be a K. He's going to ground out, whatever. Like, there is plenty of other opportunities to do so. I 100% and, agree. Vlad Guerrero and, did not need to do jack shit. All he needed to do, I would have even shortened the lead. And this man decides to get picked and, off. One, you cannot get picked off with two outs. But let alone, you cannot get picked off in two outs in a postseason game with the season on the line. With that the is, best batter at the plate. That's high school ball. That is that is like Little League. When you're playing for like a state title or like a tournament title, that is Little League. You cannot be sitting there doing this this kind of stuff. So that, and you know, I'm, I'm just skipping over the first game because there was enough in the first, I think we stranded 10 base runners in the first game. We stranded over 20 base runners for the two, two game series. So that happens. And then the Blue Jays, again, get the bases loaded in the sixth with, Kevin Biggio hitting a single, Alejandro Kirk hit a single, Santiago Espinal hit a great, perfectly placed ground ball, and the agony of baseball happens in the sixth inning. Matt Chapman is, no exaggeration, six inches from hitting a bases-clearing double that the Blue Jays take the lead on. But he fouls it off. The next pitch, grounds into a double play and ends the inning. The everybody was so mad about the pitcher that they pulled Barrios. And who is at fault? The, the, the bigger glaring thing is you gave up five runs in two games and lose three to one and two to nothing. If this is team, if this is a Toronto team of years past, they win the series just simply because you don't get shut out. You don't score one run in two games in Minnesota. 
Like you you don't strand twenty five runners. It was just and I will say for the record, I watched every minute of it. Every agonizing minute of it. Because, uh, you know, there's all those fans out there that want to claim they're the super fan or what have you. And we'll, you know, turn it off every minute. It's post, I, I will say this right now. There are plenty of people that leave during postseason games or leave during games especially. Guys, one, let's let's throw all the other games out of the line. Let's just stay with the postseason. One, how much money did you pay to get into this game? How much money have you dropped on yeah. beer, on drinks, just in general, on exactly. food, merchandise, yeah. whatever? That's how much money you've invested into that. Two, you're getting a chance to see a playoff game. Three, um, I don't know if anybody knows this about baseball. Crazier shit has happened on just one blink of an eye. Yeah. Go look at all the other teams' history of whether you have a curse going, whether you have just some sort of inning rally that you guys just magically get, especially in the postseason, the rivalry that you have within a postseason when you face a team. There is always something that baseball will just say, oh, yeah, here, let me kick this into high gear and really start some drama. And you decide to leave because your team is getting blown out. I understand it's not fun. I understand it's not going to be an issue. But for the love of God, y'all paid money to do this. There's a miracle somewhere, and you're going to sit there and miss it. Team. That and it's your team. Literally. Like, if you were just oh. in town for some random game, and you paid, like, 20 bucks for tickets, and you're just there because you're in town, and it's whatever. Okay. Even that, I don't leave. But, like, you know, that that whole theory is, you know, we talked about last year with the agonizing 8-1 to lead that the Blue Jays blew in Game 2 last year at home playing Seattle. We've seen the gamut now in two years of four of the most agonizingly, agonizingly agonizing, because that makes sense. That's such a double negative. to lose a game, lose a series. And so... I digress. We move to the divisional series. Now, remember, the AL East powerhouses are 0 for 4. But there's a juggernaut still out there. The Baltimore Orioles. Orioles haven't been, you know, tremendously relevant for a while. They're bringing baseball back to Baltimore, baby. There's no way this could go wrong, right? Well, game one, Texas beats them 3-2. Minnesota loses to Houston. Puts up a pretty good fight. They were down five before they scored four and made it close. They lose 6-4. Atlanta gets shut out by Philly. And the Diamondbacks absolutely destroy the Dodgers 11-2. That's a Kershaw loss. You talked about it earlier. I was going to say, here's the funny part about it. I came home. I, I believe I was in a tree like I was doing hunting. And I came back, and I turned the TV on because I was like, oh, yeah, the Diamondbacks are on. Like, it's it's Saturday. Like, I'll be I'll be good to go. So I turned it on, and I look at the score, and I'm like, holy shit. And I think it was only at that time when I got into the game, I think it was only, I want to say, what inning was that? Yeah, it was already 9 nothing in the freaking third or in the second. And I'm just sitting there. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And I started watching the second inning, and that's where they scored 9 if you look at the way that this Arizona team is, and we'll talk about Texas here too, because this is both shocking on both teams' parts, 
But at the same time, it has been expected. All the pieces have been there. We'll start with Arizona first. I mean, you take a look at the team at the beginning of the year. They weren't really doing the greatest. I mean, they were hanging in there. Corbin Carroll really starts actually getting his stride. Full first rookie season. Then you got Dominic Fletcher in there as well. You got Cattell Marte being able to swing the bat. Fam is there. I mean, you have a team built for a potential postseason run. You have a team that's at least there to get you to a wild card, maybe get a win, come back, rebuild next year. One, I'd like to point out the bullpen on holding not only Mookie Betts, but him and Freddie Freeman as well, To I believe it was one of 21 through this entire DS. One of 21 for two of the best hitters in the league in Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman, unheard of by this Diamondbacks pitching staff, who really is, if you kind of dive into it, it's it's good, but it's not great. It's not It's not what everybody expects coming into a postseason bullpen. Two, you take a look at how the bats are doing. Corbin Carroll hitting absolutely out of his mind, but he's hitting base knocks. He's getting on base doing what he does. The Diamondbacks in yesterday's game, which we'll get to in a second, first team ever to hit four home runs in a single postseason inning. Cattell Marte went yard. Um, I believe Pham went yard. Um, Who else went yard in that? There was four home runs. It was just incredible. I mean, you take a look at this team. Arizona's hot. They've been playing with house money ever since they started playing the Cubs in this first series that they had at the end of the year. Then they started picking up wins, able to beat teams, run production was there, everything was out on the line. Then you take a look at a team like Texas, who we'll keep talking about as well. The Rangers just all of a sudden caught fire. And we talked about it at the beginning of the year. I even said it. I said Baltimore was going to be one of those teams. They make it to the postseason. They can go a pretty long way. I even called it on the last episode saying that I think the Orioles could be in the World Series. Obviously, this was where the caveat was. Talked about all the young talent that the Orioles are pulling up. Gunnar Henderson. You've got Cedric Mullins there being a veteran leader. And then you've got Adley Rutschman. The bullpen staff. Decently inexperienced when it comes to a playoff potential. Rutschman. Henderson. Not even come close to a playoff atmosphere in their two years of playing the league. This is a young team for the Orioles. They do have the building blocks. Adley Rutschman, I believe, was... um, I think he hit like 240 in the postseason so far this year. Gunnar Henderson was hitting lights out, even in this series against Texas. That young man can flat out play. Now you take a look at the Rangers. Bullpen. Unstoppable at the moment. Hitting. Give me Elvis Andrews all day freaking long when you need a ball. Just hit 450. He's got you. The Rangers are now on fire, and I don't know what's going to stop them. Because they've got a big opponent coming up next, and they're going to need everything because this divisional rivalry was so huge in the regular season, and I can't wait to see what it's got in store for us next. So in effort to speed up and get to the point, <clears throat> Texas would go on to beat Baltimore in game two and three, 11 to eight and seven to one. The thing, the broadcast, because I watched the Sunday game, 11 to eight, there was a weird thing going on with the broadcasters of I think they felt like this game turned the corner a little bit for Baltimore because Texas blew the door I think it was nine to one at one point Mm -hmm. eight to one nine to one Baltimore kept chipping back chipping back chipping back and the entire time the broadcast kept trying to point to this as I mean it's great that you didn't lay down and you know take the beating that they Texas was trying to put. But 
This isn't regular season. You don't get moral victories. Yeah. There, there's no – especially – it's game two. You lose game two, you're not coming back. In all likelihood. There's teams that have done it. Toronto did it back in 2015 to Texas, ironically enough. But, but you go down 2-0, it's probably done. So it's weird hearing that. Minnesota would end up beating Houston – Six to two before Luke just getting demolished earlier this week. Nine to one. The NL side, Atlanta would finally beat Philly five four. Diamondbacks would again get the Dodgers four to two. That set up the games this week. To which last night, Philadelphia absolutely destroyed Atlanta (laughs) ten to two. And we'll get to tonight's final, but that sets the stage right there. It's in it's, Philly. It's two to one. I don't give a crap how much Atlanta win won during the regular season. That game on Wednesday sets the tone for the game tonight, and it just felt like Atlanta was done, at least to me. Well, I mean, you know, you have to come back today, the twelfth, and a score we're about to talk about. But with the uh, go back to Wednesday. You knew you had to come back the next day in Philly. It's going to be raucous. They smell blood in the water already. I think Wednesday set the series, and it was all set in stone from there. And this was one series that I was super excited about because Philadelphia moved on, I believe it was last year, from a win against Atlanta. These teams now have a little bit of a blood rivalry going. Also, it was made. Atlanta was crying about the fact they didn't want Philly. Yeah. Atlanta was complaining about the fact that the MLB doesn't reseed, which that's not how that ever works. No. So wipe your tears and play the opponent, which, when you look in retrospect now, that's such a bad look for Atlanta. Oh, it's bad. I I get it. Philly's one of those teams that I. They're a playoff. They're they're the team in the playoff that finds a way. So I wouldn't really want to play him either. But you won 100-plus games. You shouldn't care who you play. You're the number one seed in the National League. You're, I believe, the number two overall seed because Baltimore, I think, was number one overall in the entire playoffs. You won a World Series two years ago. You've been in the uh, playoffs the last three years. What what are you doing? There is nothing to complain about at this point. The only thing that the Houston you have to play everybody going back You're through get the best of the best going back through on the side of the American League because I even got it wrong and I didn't realize it until I actually talked about it and went back and looked at the episode. They actually had to do it because Texas was still waiting on to see if Houston would either win or lose. Because Houston, I believe, had the head-to-head over Texas. Houston ended up winning, so they flip-flopped those two rankings, which was why Texas was in the wild card, not Houston. And I hadn't realized that when I started talking about it. That's the only reason that the reseeding actually happened on that end is because Houston still had a game well, to go. Well, yeah, that comes down to tiebreakers before yes. the playoffs start. So you get into yesterday's game. Harper had a lot of scrutiny coming to him. Um... Well, he shot that shit out the door real quick. Two bombs for Harper. And by two bombs, I mean moonshots. 
Then you go into another dangerous bat who likes to hit homers on bad timing. But yesterday was pretty good timing for the state of Philadelphia or for the city of Philly. Nick Castellanos with two bombs. So now you throw that man back into the mix. Brandon Marsh has been hitting fantastic. Real Muto, one of the most consistent hitting catchers in the major leagues at the moment, is freaking going all the way after it as well. He had a double in the third. I believe in the third, the Phillies put up six, which at looking at the scoreboard here after Atlanta gets a, a single by Acuna in the first, score Albies. There you go, break that down. Phillies get six in the third. Harper adds the second home run to left, um, more so center. 7-1, Orioles get one back, and then it was all Philadelphia from there. You had Turner with a homer, Castellanos got his second of the day, then you got Brandon Marsh. Kyle Schwarber has been non-existent on that lineup card in that game. But then you take a look at the rest of the series, I mean, what bat do you want to try to pitch around? You've got Schwarber, who is postseason veteran as it gets when it comes to playing with the Cubs, playing with Philly. I mean, Kyle Schwarber has been postseason built for years now. Harper, within the last couple of years, has been postseason built. Then you throw back into Trey Turner in the mix. He's been postseason built when playing with the Dodgers, and now Philadelphia coming back from a World Series last year, trying to avenge the loss. Here we go. Now you're on it. Castellanos, I really don't believe, has had a lot of postseason history. Brandon Marsh, I know, has not had postseason history. But then you look at the Phil- or the Phillies pitching staff as well. I mean, especially Aaron Nola last night was in Sane. Nola throughout this postseason been insane. Five and two-thirds innings last night. Six hits, two runs given up, though. Nine Ks for Aaron Nola. It's good to have him back for Philadelphia. Elder gets the loss yesterday. But this was the thing about the pitching staff of the Braves as well. They might have 104 wins, but if you kind of look at where their series lied, their pitching staff was a little, yeah, it would it would waver at times. The bullpen would be one of the one of the things they struggle with, but starters... They've been out with Max Fried for a couple of weeks now just because he's had a blister on his finger. Um, they didn't have Charlie Morton either. So now you kind of look at it and, okay, I say, is this the same Braves team? Yes, it 100% is the same Braves team. They're missing one guy. You still had Acuna, who stole 70 bases, hit 40 nukes. You still had Ozzy Albies. You still had Marcelo Zuna. You still had Austin Riley. I mean, you go down this lineup... You had everybody there. You had Matt Olson. The entire team was there. You were missing one guy in the postseason. It didn't matter. Philly was coming for you, and they end up taking it in a 3-2 game today as well. Philly moves on. Now, we're in the big old championship series, and I don't know if anybody really predicted this lineup that we have for the CSs. Because, I mean, this is – you. I mean, you could throw a couple the of them. Yeah. Yes, the NL – the NL, I'm going to go with no. I think. Well, Arizona, nobody saw Arizona getting. But oh. Philadelphia, I think there were people that it's not exactly a surprise. I had money the on ALC, if, if If there's a person that didn't think Houston was going to get through to the ALCS, Sorely mistaken. then you're smoking crack. Because... This is their seventh trip in a row or something. <laughs> yeah, seventh straight season where Houston and Astros they had have like been there. The th- they had like two in the previous, whatever you to <laughs> subtract the last seven years. They had two before that. So count it out oh. of the last. So let's go. We'll go with out of the last, oh, ten years. They've gotten here eight out of ten years, give or take. Almost nine. They've missed a year. 
So, I mean. Yeah, the last nine between the Blue Jays and the Astros, they, uh, because the Jays didn't go back to 15, 16, and then the Astros had their big run right after that. Yeah. So. But, yeah, I, the uh, ALCS is two teams I don't like. You talked about it already. Texas, and I think for the most part it probably died down, but if they played meaningful baseball, they being Blue Jays and the Rangers, I am almost certain that the spark would be reignited from seven years ago. Maybe it wouldn't, but it probably wouldn't. And then there's Houston. Cheating Houston. The team that... We're diving into all of it today, folks. <laughs> you, you just... What, what, stop me when I'm wrong. Cheating Houston. I, I know. Again, we're just throwing it back to 2017. They've ran it back, and, and they've won titles since. But I just can't get over that because 2017 shouldn't should not exist that they won that title. That is, you just you, they should do what they're doing to the Jayhawks right now. They should be doing what they do to the Jayhawks in basketball, where they're taking away the 2017 uh, either Elite Eight or Final Four parents, <clears throat> and just you strike it from the record. The wins are struck from the record. It's like it never happened. And I, I still come back to it. I've talked to multiple people about this. I don't know what to do with the title itself. Because if you give it to the Dodgers, that's stupid. I Like you can't just gift it to a team that didn't earn it. I almost say if you're going to go that far with it, you got to strike it from – you got to strike it entirely. I mean, if you're going to go that far, I agree. You can't give it to LA because the Dodgers in that series, but yes, they played take good baseball. The wins away from everybody else. No, but still, I mean, there's no way. And that's the bad thing I think that everybody's trying to figure out is because there were only two teams. Which one are you going to really kind of sentence here on? Are and the, it should be an obvious on who you should sentence because obviously it is the Strohs, but when you really kind of dive down into the nitty gritty of it, when you had that series go as hectic as it did for LA, you didn't win. You didn't, you came close, but you didn't win. Houston now gets into that whole entire playoff series of, okay, this was three teams in the making of getting here to this point. So there, there's so many logistics that go into it. I totally agree with you that they should not have that world series title back in 17. I think a lot of baseball fans would agree with you on that. But So, to circle back to the ALCS, I don't like either team. And the NLCS is just about as bad. Other than I, I do acknowledge I have a soft spot for Arizona. I as well as do. Team. I, I, I don't know why. I've been that way for a long time. I know exactly That's why like I have the, mine. The secondary like NL team looks like, okay, and Philadelphia sports in general annoy me just like they annoy a lot of people. So three of the four teams that are left are a giant no from me. So, yeah. It's, it's Jace just, is rocking it's with the D-backs. Well, <clears throat> the fun part is, I, I don't know, I guess flip a coin. I guess Houston for the AL because they're home. Ooh. Although... If you let Houston get to the World Series, they're just going to win it because that's what they do. 
But I, I, I really, really don't want Texas to win it. See, because I'm... I have done nothing all year long other than shit on how bad Texas is. <laughs> that that is and valid. how every I mean, even before the playoffs start, like Tampa's gonna roll Texas. And Texas hasn't lost yet. <laughs> And the funny, so, the funny part of the matter was, is we asked this question at the beginning of the year when Texas started off so hot: is is this Texas team legit? Is this Texas team got the makings to keep the heat no. and keep going? <laughs> well, I'm gonna go with we were wrong on that. They might not be the World Series champions at the end of this, but I think they shot everybody's projections of them out of the water on the fact of okay, everybody was questioning: is this is this pitching staff gonna be enough? Is this team of kind of just put together guys going to be enough? I mean, yeah, you added Corey Seager to this group. Um, you've got Josh Young at third base. I mean, um, Adolis Garcia has been also hitting lights out. I mean, you have a solid team that's that's built for this, but nobody thought that they would make it as far as they did once they kind of hit that stride. Well, then after the All Star break, they really kind of took a skid. Um, the AOS was kind of all up for grabs. I mean, you were really sitting there. Kind of, kind of gritting at your teeth. Okay, so who's going to really come out of this? And all of a sudden, Houston kind of made that last jump late. They ended up winning a couple of head-to-heads and tiebreakers over everybody. Had one more game, finished it out, all set in stone for that. Now it kind of comes full circle for all of us on the statement. Even they need to prove a little bit in this series. If they lose this series and don't make it to the World Series, they need to at least keep it close and make it go seven games, if not six, just to just to make it good for them on the argument. Because I think this Texas team has shown a lot of people that you can have your doubts where you want it. You can have your doubts where you see it. But I think the way that they have played baseball, especially down the stretch here, has been absolutely immaculate. So I'm going to end up having to go Texas over Houston. When it comes to the, the NL side of things, last year the Phillies were my team just because Cubs were out. And... I wanted to see the Phillies succeed because I remember being a kid and watching Roy Halladay pitch in the World or pitch in the World Series, um, and you throw um, Ryan Howard on that list. I mean, the old Phillies. Then I also have a soft spot in my heart for the Diamondbacks because when I was a little kid back when they won it in two thousand, I think it was like two thousand one when they beat the Yankees. I wanted to get home so bad to watch Arizona play. That I was begging my mom. I was like, Mom, we got to go. We got to go. We got to go. And we were running from the park. Like, I was literally hauling ass. So, I I kind of want to see the two quote-unquote underdogs in this fight for the World Series. So, I got Texas and I got Arizona. And the way that Arizona has been playing, it's going to be tough facing this rotation of starters that Philadelphia has. And it's also going to be tough with as young as this group is for Arizona to come into a place like Philadelphia and be like, all right, Citizens Bank Park, this place gets loud. Phillies fans were doing the chop talk or the chop talk to Atlanta yesterday when they were up like eight nothing or eight to two. Um, you have a dangerous lineup, so the pitching staff is gonna have to be on their game because I mean you're trying to throw around Harper, Schwab. Castellanos, I mean, the list goes down, on and on from there. So you're going to have to be on your game. Because Bryce Harper, especially with postseason home runs, everybody knows that he's clutch. Schwarber, he, we've seen his home run um, 
fanatics and that. But I think that if Arizona can play the keen, clean game of baseball that they can, yes, I said keen, clean, not clean, clean. If they can play that kind of base, <laughs> had to clarify that because I felt like everybody's like, what the hell did he say? Yeah, I think if Arizona can play that kind of baseball the way that they have been down this stretch, I think that they can compete with Philadelphia just fine. They just need to be able to drown out the noise. And I just think that Texas is going to try to make a run against Houston. And also, I just really hate Houston. I would rather see Texas go. So, that's my so two cents on note, that. Vegas and San Jose are tied at one in the second, 14.30 to go. So, that's kind of panning out the way I kind of thought it would. Uh, this game's quite closer than I think people would give the Sharks credit for. Um, uh, I agree with part of it. I just think Houston's better than Texas. And I, I, I was reading the stat. I, I think Houston beat Texas more often than not in the regular season. They did. And here's – and. I just want to go with an upset. Arizona's made it this far. Run it. I I I just don't think they can beat Philly, but <laughs> the ceiling you gotta got. roll with the dogs. You gotta roll with the dogs at this point. And unfortunately for the baseball world, that means Houston's gonna win another one. Sadly. Because I don't I don't think tech Arizona <sighs> I don't know. I really want to say Arizona wins the whole thing, so we're just going to go with that. Arizona beats Philly. Arizona beats Houston. Diamondbacks win it. Wow. Okay. That was I was going to wait and see <laughs> what the hell happened in the freaking CS. Wow. I was going to wait for that prediction later. Okay. Cool. Do we have a game? Do we have a games for how many of the World Series is going for Arizona? Um. I think Texas Houston goes the distance. I think if Arizona is going to beat Philly, it's going to have to be in five or six. They're going to have to get it done early. And then if it's the the World Series, I think it's going to go seven. <laughs> All right, I like it. Arizona wins in I, seven. I, just, I don't like, and it pains me to pick an NL team, but both AL choices suck. In your opinion, anyways. That's that's what we're here to hear. Yeah, honestly, both AL choices suck. Arizona is the only team of the four that would be tolerable to see win. So there you go, and that's the uh, that's the good old uh, MLB. Uh, No change over in San Jose Sharks. Oh, just about put one in. It floats over the net. Uh, anyway, we'll touch on this one quickly because I don't think either one of us watch it, but, you know, it's worth talking about because it is the playoffs. The WNBA is having a boat race of a final so far. Liberty and Aces. The Aces in the regular season, I think, lost like three times and two of them were to Liberty. 99-82 in game one in Vegas. And the game yesterday, or Wednesday, 104 to 76, which sounds bad, right? 38 first quarter points for the Aces. I do believe that's a WNBA record for a point in a quarter. Ooh. 38 
They were leading by 19 after one. Uh, the series shifts back to New York Sunday and Wednesday. Also, the dates for this, I don't understand. So it went Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday, Wednesday, and then Friday for game five, if it gets that far, which it won't. Huh. It's very weird spacing, but anyway, that's the WNBA. If Vegas doesn't win game three, they'll win game four. Because they have absolutely manhandled the Liberty. So, yeah. Sports. Oh. So, that's the uh, that's all the I gotta say on there. that one. Yeah, it is what it is. Um, so we talked about hockey, talked about the WNBA. Tough one for the old Broncos, but not the absolute boat race that I think everybody thought was going to be tonight. Nineteen to eight, we got eight what a points. Dumb score. We got yeah, no kidding. I mean, out of all what of it. Absolute, that might be a score a Gami score, though. That's but just, what a dumb score for a football game. Three points for Kansas City in the first quarter. Ten in the second. Three at halftime. Or three in the third. Then you go three in the fourth. So, I'm going to point this out. This has been the best the Broncos defense has looked all freaking season. And shockingly enough, we got out of the tree this afternoon. Or this evening, I should say. And we're walking up, and I told my boss, I was like, hey, this is the only time that Denver's going to, you know, be winning the football game today. And he goes, well, it hasn't even started, so they're not losing either. And I said, exactly. He goes, I mean, Denver usually plays Kansas City pretty tough. And I'm like, I just don't. After the last handful of games, I just don't see it. Sure as shit, here we go. The least amount of points that the Broncos have allowed all freaking season. Defense played pretty good. Got a pick from Mahomes. And in Kansas City. Taylor yeah. Swift was there. Oh, God. No. No. Absolutely. No. She was. No. No. We're. Okay. No. She's gonna... making football great again. <laughs> you are about to make me get the fuck up and leave. <laughs> I cannot. Oh, you're one of them big uh, internet bros that's on that. The T-Swizzle. Dude. I just don't want it to be the focus of every game. I was fine with the Travis first Kelsey, I feel like Travis Kelsey and a lot of the internet bros have lost any shred of respect for uh, Travis Kelsey. My favorite part of this whole thing was where he basically was trying to like play it off like he didn't want it this public. And I'm like, here's the thing. It's going to get if public in five seconds. Public, well, back up for a second. If you didn't want it public, you probably could have snuck. Inevitably, they would have figured it out. Yeah. But that first game when they played, I think, the Jets or whatever the hell it was, nobody would have probably noticed right away. Inevitably, somebody would have. But this was so hyped before she ever set foot in the stadium. And also, if you think you're going to try to. All he's doing is driving his jersey sales through the roof. No, it's driving Swifty's jersey through because you know what happened in Minnesota last week? Swifty jerseys all throughout Minnesota. Not even Kelsey. And all the it's all the talk of because all the, they haven't even been confirmed that they're dating. It's a publicity stunt. And it's working absolutely 
to a genius level. All I can, high IQ play, if you will. All I can say is, all the questions of who put who on the freaking map, can we knock that bullshit off, too? Guys, they're both respectful. If whoever thinks Travis Kelsey put Taylor Swift on the map is the most delusional person I've ever met. And whoever thinks that Taylor Swift put Travis Kelsey on the map, most delusional person ever. The only problem is uh, we have... No, they're the second most delusional because it's... If there's one scenario, and I, before you, I can feel you're about to go off on what I'm going to say, and I kind of want to not put this caveat in there just to hear what you have to say. Before, go I'm for not it. saying either one put the other one on the map, but if there's one, there's only one way this would work. Taylor Swift putting Travis Kelce on the map because Taylor Swift has more money than any person would know what to do with. She makes like fourteen million dollars a show. So if you go by like sheer popularity, there's only one way this would work, and that'd be Taylor Swift putting Travis Kelsey on the map. It would never be Travis Kelsey putting Taylor Swift on the map. Just throwing that out there. I understand what your logic is, and it pains oh, me. Oh, he's so quiet. He's trying not to be mad. I can't be mad with that logic. I understand the number system and the monetary value, but I'm going to go with a side caveat to this. Why the f- I don't even know why we're talking about this anymore. I hate every bit about it. Because it it's... makes people mad and it is very funny. We'll probably cut <laughs> out one of these. Somebody that like haphazardly watches pro football. Oh. I was more I forgot it was Thursday. Yeah. So people at work were talking about, like, oh, Thursday night football. And I'm like, huh, who's playing? Like, I can tell you more about NHL yeah. than I can pro football at this point. Here is my but side. I finally watched a full game last week for the first time in years. Oh, how was that? It was Ravens, Steelers, and oh. it was irritating because Baltimore. You picked the worst. You picked the worst. Baltimore <laughs> should have beat Pittsburgh by 30 points. <laughs> and they somehow lost. Bro. It looks like the most normal score of all time. It's seventeen ten. Oh. It was anything but. And the game. And my favorite part was when they showed the offensive coordinator of Pittsburgh looking like he just watched like somebody die. Oh, that was because, so funny. And the if you watch, it's really nuanced. But if you watch, there's the guy next to him like taps him on the arm of like. They're watching, this is like live recording. Like, people are going to watch this. You might want to be a little more enthused other than, like, staring into the void because Kenny Pickett checked out of your play call and scored a touchdown off of it. It's the one thing that I will say. The NFL has become kind of one of these, it's, it's one of the weird years again in the NFL. And by, if anybody knows how the, the NFL kind of somewhat rocks and rolls, there's a couple of years where, yeah, there's a couple of big key injuries, but there's only a handful. Then there's years where there's everybody seems to get hurt and is out for four weeks. Big play, big playmakers are gone. And then all of a sudden, quarterbacks just decide to shit the bed. This is one of those years. It really oh, is. It's, oh gosh, <laughs> we're touching on all the controversy today. I, you could argue that it is part of the script, honestly. 
But at the same time, am I really going to get paid that much money to sit my ass on the bench because my hamstring, quote-unquote, hurts? Honestly, probably, if you're going to actually do that. With the amount of licensing that each team in the NFL yeah. makes, maybe. But it's like, dude, this has been one of the weirdest years And you talk about that Steelers and Ravens game. Lamar Jackson has not played anywhere close to his ability of even when he didn't play well. Like, he only had a handful of games last year where even on fantasy, he wasn't scoring less than 15 points. He's had a handful of those this year already. The Steelers, Najee Harris has been one of the biggest busts of the season. Their offensive line can't do anything. They can't move a running game. Jordan Love plays one game and acts like he's a total hero. Then you come out and the rest of it, no, well, now you're seeing where Jordan Love needs to make his big improvements. But, yes, I'll give him this. It's his first full season as a starter in Green Bay. He's got a lot of training wheels to get on. Go for it there. Then you get a guy like C.J. Stroud coming in for Houston, which nobody thought he was going to do well at all. C.J. Stroud has become one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL at the moment. He's playing like he's been in this league for years. Anthony Richardson for the Colts, he's been doing the same thing, but now he gets out. And he's possibly gone for four to eight weeks. I mean, there there's a lot of kind of difference. Joe Burrow signs a $270 million deal, and now Joe Burrow has not done... Uh, you played Arizona. You actually kind of got the ball moving. You looked like the Bengals of old, as some of the broadcasters said. No, you just played Arizona. Arizona doesn't know how to move the ball either. But I will give it, I'll give you this. Josh Dobbs this year has looked better than I 100% expected, taking over for Kyler Murray. I like Josh Dobbs. I knew him at Tennessee. He was a good quarterback at Tennessee. I was wondering what he was doing in the NFL. Didn't really get a couple of chances to start. Now he kind of gets a team at the helm. Granted, it's with the cards. You don't really have a ton of weapons out there to be able to do anything. You made a couple of bad decisions with the ball last week against Cincinnati. I get it. But, dude, seriously, Josh Dobbs, within the last couple of games, even though they have a losing record, has surprised me with how he's been able to lead the Cardinals. I mean, there's been a lot of players to step up this year. There's been a lot of players that have kind of taken a step down. Obviously, you take a look at one team, Dallas. Dallas was a team that everybody was like, okay, you don't have Ezekiel this year. Tony Pollard's going to have to take over. They started just absolutely pounding people. Pounding, 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 just moving forward, moving forward. Then you get to the San Francisco 49ers, and everybody was questioning, okay, this Dallas team looks for real. How are they going to do against a team like San Francisco? Still one of the best defenses in the league. Still one of the best offenses. Brock Purdy coming out this year just on a full revenge tour. Hasn't skipped a beat. Christian McCaffrey running everybody over as promised. George Kittle not getting used as versatile, but still getting some use. San Francisco made Dallas look like a bunch of whiny babies. Per usual, which I love seeing Cowboy fans cry. That's one of my favorite pride and joys of football is seeing Cowboy fans cry. But you take teams that are expected to do. Now you only have two teams left in the NFL that are undefeated. The Eagles and Purdy Bird and the Niners. Rematch, potentially? Question mark? I don't know. There's there's a lot to go on in the NFL this year, and I love every bit of it. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, interesting. You know, the big highlight of the year for me is the Bears won, and that might be the only one they get. Woo! I just don't understand how they scored 40 on Washington, but, you know, <sighs> that kind of is what it is, I guess. Because the commanders are the commanders. 
But they've won two games. <laughs> the Bears the way, only won one. The they were two and two. The way that you said the Bears that. Were 0-4. I know. Holy shit. That just oh that got me. Oh. I'm just but saying, they, man. But they've won two games. <laughs> you know, you're talking to a Bears fan who's won one whose team's won one game in like the oh, last year. That was priceless. That is true though. And Here's the thing I'll say. Getting one weapon with DeAndre Moore or DJ Moore, that doesn't give you a lot else to work with. Field still has to, you know, take the snap and look down at field and see four linemen already coming at him. Cole Komet has been your biggest saving grace. Being able to get him the ball on the outside, I think within the last two weeks he's Saying had four the touchdowns. Have any saving grace is an absolute joke. That is very true. They're so bad. They're not even close. Outside uh, of the wonderful 40-point game that they just did and beat the Commanders, they're, they're not close. They're not good. They're not going to be good. It's. I think I – think, um, this is your. This would be your saving grace. Good old Matt Eberflus. Getting the season. Take over. him to the curb. That too. Kick Eberflus to the curb, man. It's just. It's not working. You got a guy, and I'll, I'll say this: Justin Fields has not impressed me a lot. His willingness to still stay in, throw, try to make big plays, being able to have the grittiness and the toughness to do what he is having to try to do, I respect a hundred percent. I think if you can actually get him a team. Which will not happen in Chicago. No. But I think if you can actually get him a team and see what he really is capable of. I mean, take a look at Washington. Even take a look at the game prior. When you're actually able to kind of let Justin Fields move, his mind back from Ohio State and Ryan Day takes over. His athleticism takes over. And his thinking of that kind of starts progressing through where he can actually go through his checks. He can see that deeper out downfield. He still might make a bad decision every once in a while, but he's a lot more able when he moves out of the pocket. And he can kind of rotate with the football. Now, that being said, too, your defense has to be able to make stops. Which, against Washington... There you go. You got a couple. Against Denver, you should have had a lot more. And that was the one thing, too, is the second half for the Bears, we talked about this. I believe in the last three weeks, 37 unanswered points in the second half for Chicago. That got broken, finally. They were able to kick a field goal, and that got broke. The Bears in the second half are one of the worst teams in the in the NFL on allowing points. No, they sure are. But, I mean, nonetheless, game number one of the week is out. Chiefs, Broncos, 19-8 to Chiefs. Coming up on the Sunday slate, going all the way to London. Jacksonville doesn't have to fly there for three weeks in a row, which, oddly enough, why the hell is Jacksonville getting all the London games every single year? I find that baffling. But Because London loves the Jags. Seriously. Out of all the teams yeah. in the NFL, the Jaguars is the ones that you picked yeah. to love? Well, they feel like they probably have the most likely chance of moving Jacksonville there. Yeah, taking over Manchester City spot. Which, here's the thing. That will never work. There no. will never be an NFL team in Europe. Dude, could you imagine that? That would be a nightmare. 
logistically. Traveling would be so bad. Yeah. You you wouldn't be able to do it. We get like and like they hear you play like West Coast teams. Like East Coast would be alright. I mean it's still a jaunt, but like could you imagine like San Francisco versus like the London Wolves or whatever the heck they be? Like that is an incredible jaunt. Well, I mean, think about it too. I mean, you got to go through travel day. It takes, I think it's a sixteen hour. I know where it's a sixteen hour flight to Australia, but I mean, you go with a let's say sixteen fourteen hour flight. Maybe add one hour here or there to London. You're going across an ocean. You're already taking two days of travel time there. You get a day of jet lag rest. Of okay, here's where we get to the hotel. We have team meetings. This is what we do for the day. Then you got a practice day. Then you probably end up having a game day. Then you got to fly back, and then you got to restart the schedule all over again. You're already two days behind everybody else. It's feasibly impossible unless you scheduled your bye week for those weeks of having to fly to London. But that doesn't solve the London problem. No. Of where they have to fly to the West Coast twice. Yeah. In that situation. Yeah, it'd be a mess. It'd be bad. But, yeah, that, that's interesting. Titans-Ravens this week get the Monday – or get the London slate. Commanders, Falcons start off the noon games hot. Vikings-Bears, NFC North matchup. Vikings look to actually try to dig themselves out of a hole and get Kirk Cousins kind of a little bit more of a spark. They are without Justin Jefferson this week as he's going to be on the IR for four weeks with a hamstring injury. Justin Fields and the Bears – Trying to get that 0-2 record at Soldier Field to go to 1-2. Seahawks, Bengals. Bengals looking to try to get out of a bump back week after playing the Cardinals and see if they can actually kind of get Joe Burrow back onto Joe Shiesty level. It'll be a slow growth, but it's a potential to be there. Geno Smith and the Seahawks looking to kind of make things the opposite way. Niners, Browns, I'm already calling it. Niners, blow out, please. Thank you. Good night. Panthers, Dolphins kind of round out the noon, helping to kind of round out the noon slot. The 0-5 Panthers, the only winless team in the NFL. Carolina trying to make a little bit of headway there with Bryce Young at the quarterback spot. It's not really doing a whole lot for him. Tua Tungavailoa and the Dolphins looking to keep on their dominant pace. Colts, Jags, the battle of the three and twos. First game the Colts have without Anthony Richardson, Trevor Lawrence, and the Jags looking to try to make Garner Minshew pay. For this one, who's got the better flow? We already know who's got the better stash, and that's Mr. Gardner Menchu. Who's going to have the better flow in this game? We'll find out. Saints, I have to go. Oh, no. What did I just do? I clicked out of like four different tabs. I got it back. Hold on. We're good. All right. There we go. Left it off. Saints, Texans coming up this weekend. As I talked about, C.J. Stroud trying to keep his name kind of known there. The Saints are looking to, with Derek Carr, Move it along. And Derek Carr's been looking pretty good with the Saints. Patriots. They've got the Las Vegas Raiders and Jimmy Garoppolo. Cardinals. Rams. Rams looking to try to keep their spot. Kind of moving forward. Everybody thinks the potential of a playoff team could be there. Um, they got one big weapon back last week when they already had a weapon. Now it's figuring out who do you double cover when. Puka Nakua got joined back with Cooper Cup. Um, now Cooper Cup had a big breakout week, scoring 40 points for all you fantasy lovers out there. I mean, that was huge. He, he, I don't think there was a time where he wasn't a potential target for Matthew Stafford. 
Philly, Jets, Zach Wilson probably coming with one of his biggest tests of the year. Brees Hall finally back in full strength for the Jets. But Philly, Jalen Hurts, this is an interesting stat, and I want to know your opinion on this, and I might have to cut this clip out. The tush push, otherwise known as the brotherly shove in the NFL, looking to potentially get quote-unquote outlawed because the Eagles have a 95-plus percent success rate. Everybody else in the NFL, less than 60. I personally think, stop whining about it. Find a way to stop it. Yeah, I was going to say, outlawing it is incredibly dumb. It's not going to work. If only one team is having, like, super high rates with it. And that one team has linemen built, like, if you put Alabama against, like, a high school team, that's kind of what it is. Your linemen are bigger. They get down. They feel it. Your quarterback squats 600 pounds. You really think you're going to be able to stop this a lot? No. So, quit your whining, NFL. Deal with it. This isn't going to be like baseball where you eliminate the shift. Gosh, I hate when people try to change so many rules in the game. Detroit, Tampa. This game, I could find interesting. Detroit has looked pretty well so far this season. Jared Goff playing well. You got Amon St. Brown. He's back after kind of missing a week. He's still questionable, but Amon St. Brown is there. David Montgomery has been running the ball very, very well for the Lions. Defense for the Lions has been playing very well. Now you throw in this Tampa Bay team. Uh, You have a quarterback in the backfield who can actually throw the ball. Um, Baker Mayfield is playing pretty, pretty good football with the Buccaneers. Mike Evans is out there. You also got Chris Godwin. The defense is pretty decently solid. Linebacking core led by Levante David. But, I mean, still, you look at this Tampa Bay team from where they were a year ago when Tom Brady was dealing with his last hurrah and just completely, utterly, just nobody knew who that Tom Brady was. Now you actually have a team this year who is kind of firing on cylinders, you got receivers who are getting the ball in stride. It's a lot better for your offense. I personally think that Tampa could be one of those teams where if you kind of don't pay attention to them, they're going to make you see them later. So I think Tampa could be a potential playoff team there. They face a good Detroit team. Finally, rounding out, everybody's waiting all day for Sunday night. The Bills have a date with a steamroller. And that steamroller is working on a project. And that project is the New York Giants. Because, oh my God, Ryan Dable, you all need to figure it out over there. New York is just, that's a dumpster fire and a half. It's so bad. It's a dumpster fire, bro. I mean, let's look at this scoreline here. Opening up the regular season. I get it, it's Dallas. And this was where Dallas got a lot of the hype from. But also, it's the Giants, boys. 40 to nothing. Mm-hmm. against Dallas. You come out week two, you get a win against the Cardinals, 38-21. to 21. So there's 68 points already allowed to, th- to score it over 31. Then you come into the Niners. The Niners kind of let you have some, 30-12. to 12. So you got 99 po- or 98 points scored to your 43. The math is really mathing right now, and I don't know how this is happening. Then you go to the Seahawks. You have 24 to 3. This is where the math gets interesting because now you got 46. What did I say? We're going 98, 24. So you got 124. 
right? No. Yeah. No. 128 and 24 would be 122. 122. I was two off. We're still math, and don't worry. We're known for our math on this show. Then the Dolphins oh, come in. Sure 31 to 16. 153 points. You have allowed teams to score within the first four week or five weeks of the NFL. I applaud Not you on that. But Vegas has gone on an explosion. They've scored Oof. two goals, 36 seconds to go on the second. All of a sudden, it's three to one. Two minutes ago in this game, it was one one. The usual suspect of being able to score goals without any hesitation and any breaks in between. Tell you what, they look a lot better tonight than they did on their opener. But they're also playing the Sharks, not Seattle. So, <laughs> remember that. Oh. Then now, the Giants have the Bills. Josh Allen. Um, This might be a game where you could sit him. <laughs> Give him a break. <laughs> I really feel bad talking the about this. absolute sheer disrespect Dude, for the Giants is... I- Absolutely hilarious to me. I I just I don't want to have this respect because last year they were a playoff team. Last year they were good. This year, what the fuck happened? <laughs> like this is a total one eighty from where the Giants were last year. Granted, it doesn't help that Saquon Barkley's been out for three weeks, but now Saquon's hopefully coming back. But it also doesn't help that Daniel Jones literally snaps the ball and has to immediately start running for his life. (laughs) It's not even two seconds. It is Daniel Jones has to snap this ball, run for his life, and then makes a throwing decision. He's got to be careful not to have a false start. He's got to start moving so fast. Exactly. It's like, dude, the man has zero help. He can't get any ball out to his receivers at all, and if and if he does, they're double covered just because he has to run. You're playing a zone defense or you're playing man, especially if you're playing man. You're now getting covered twice as much. I mean, you take a look at this entire Giants team. You don't have a very good offensive scheme. Where was it last year? Like, you are now able to kind of, you need to figure something out if you're Ryan Dable and the Giants because it, it's just, I, I feel so bad for Daniel Jones. That man has been taking a beating all season. He's looked like Joe Burrow has in the last, like, four years that Joe Burrow's played football. <laughs> we go to Monday night. Dallas, Los Angeles Chargers. Chargers are hoping for the return of Austin Eckler. Is it going to happen? Doubtful. Justin Herbert and this L.A. Charger team still trying to make some headway. Dallas is trying to come back from an embarrassing loss to the 49ers, which, honestly, I'll give you this. The 49ers are good. I mean the way that the way that they are playing this year, Christian McCaffrey is just outrunning everybody. You're getting steamrolled by him. You can't stop that run. And then even if you do, you've got Debo Samuel who can run a jet sweep and then go out and catch a pass. Brandon Ayuk who will beat you downfield as one of the fastest receivers on that team, if not one of the fastest in the league. And then you've got the tight end and George Kittle who can just be George Kittle. And then also You've got a fullback? The only team that I in the NFL, the only team even in college college and NFL within the last six years that I have seen a team use a freaking fullback as much as San Francisco does. It's kind of impressive and fun to watch at the same time. 
But Dallas that is the one thing San Francisco has going for them is they are fun to watch. They really it's, are. I mean, they're they're fun to stat uh, stat uh, watch too. They're one of those teams where one person can hurt you and you can shut them down and then you got to worry about the two others. Then you shut them down, then you still have to worry about two others. And then you can shut all those down. You still got to worry about Mr. Irrelevant, who also, um, I think people know who he is now. <laughs> if I'm being quite honest, it's really impressive to see how Brock Purdy has started this year in the first five weeks of the NFL and has come out like he is still that kid that led them on their playoff continue run. Granted, I understand that you ran into a wall with the Eagles. Purdy got hurt. You kind of had to deal with now a four-string backup in the game, and you had to deal with a lot more problems on facing a team as the caliber of Philly, which, granted, last year San Francisco still played great caliber teams to get to the playoffs, but they hadn't faced a test like Philadelphia at that time. Now this year, I think you throw back this team against Philly now because I'm going to see if... Philadelphia has San Francisco on the schedule. They do. Give it all the way on December 3rd. That's going to be the game of the week to watch. 325, December 3rd. Be there. Be square. I personally think that if San Francisco can keep up the weight of this run, I think Philadelphia's got to run for their money here. So... Two cents of the NFL, if anybody cares about who had the bye weeks. Packers. Steelers. That's the NFL for you, folks. If you guys are playing fantasy like me, injuries have plagued your team. Oh, wait. No, they probably (laughs) haven't. That's just me. Poor performances have plagued your team. That's probably you, too, because I know a lot of guys that have had that. So, fantasy's been rough this year, but we're making it work. It's still fun. I enjoy it, even though it causes me stress and my blood pressure to spike every Sunday. So, (laughs) it's the normals. So, with that... I mean, if we want to dive into a quick college football rundown, we can. Otherwise, I think we're we're good. We got an hour and 37 minutes on this episode, so it's whatever JC would like to decide. Well, I'll talk about Raging Cajun football because they have the weekend off this weekend. Raging Cajuns played Texas State, came in 3-2, and two, lost to Minnesota. Not a bad loss, played – Turned it over twice in the second half and lost 35-24. When you're a non-Power 5 playing a Big Ten team and lead at the half and only lose by 11 self-inflicted wounds for the reason you lost, you feel pretty good about yourself. Going to play Texas State, a team that has never beaten the Raging Cajuns. Texas State, if we flash back to the beginning of the year, wailed on Baylor. That Raging Cajuns... Oh. I remember that game. Yeah, I watched that game. So that was long, interesting. Like so long ago. I know. <laughs> oh, so continue, anyway, sorry. Texas State gets up 20 to 7. Raging Cajuns with just over four minutes or under four minutes to go in the half makes it 20 to 14. 23 14 would be uh, after Texas. State would drive in the beginning of the third quarter. Raging Cajuns the rest of the way out, scoring 20-7. to seven. Could have been 21, but they went for two. To make it 36-30 instead of 34-30. A really key late-in-the-game blocked punt. The freshman, uh, Deion Chris, 
has an eight-yard run late in the game. Raging Cajuns pick up a big win. They're now one-and-one in conference play. Coming up down the line, they're back on the U on ESPN, uh, ESPN U on the 21st, taking on Georgia State. Then they're at South Alabama, at Arkansas State, Southern Miss at Troy, ULM. And if they were to get to the Sun Belt Championship game, which is on paper they still could, they would likely get James Madison because J-Mad is running the other side of the Sun Belt right now. James Madison looks legit. James Madison is a team that if nobody knows how college football is broke down to, you've got FBS and FCS. FBS is where James Madison has come from. No, that's FCS. Never mind, I got that flipped around. Sorry, I I always get this flipped around. FBS is where they are now. FCS is where they started, where it's like the lower-end D1s. You got like the teams like Montana State, North Dakota State, who usually runs that. James Madison has been a team that has run that. Now you get that team coming in here. Granted, you put them in a, in a conference like the Sun Belt. Smart idea. A group of five. Yeah, it's a, it's a group of five conference. You're not going to put them in the Big Ten East where no. they're going to have play Ohio State and Penn State. No, you're not. But at the same time, though. But they're this, rolling teams. And the Sun Belt Conference. five and oh. The Sun Belt Conference within the last couple of years, especially the, like, I'll give it the last six. Teams like Coastal who were undefeated for two straight years, making headway, getting to New Year's Six Bowls. Or, well, lower-end New Year's Six Bowls. I'll throw the Holiday Bowl in there. Then you got teams... Georgia Southern has been ranked in and out. Louisiana has made headway in and out. Mm -hmm. Southern Miss has made headway in and out. I mean, you do have teams from the Sun Belt coming in, making waves, doing what they do. Now you got teams like James Madison in there, who actually knew what the hell to do in FCS and beat the crap out of people, competed with North Dakota State, South Dakota State. I I like this James Madison team. They're they're a fun group of guys to watch. And James Madison, while five and zero, isn't rolling anybody. They beat Bucknell thirty eight to three. Which so what? At the end of the day, they come back and beat Virginia in a seesaw game thirty six thirty five. They beat Troy, who's leading the other part of big uh, uh, of the Sun Belt Conference. I should say 16-14. They beat Utah State 45-38, and then most recently beat South Alabama 31-23. So they're getting it done, the Dukes. But on the West, Troy is probably Troy, Raging Cajuns, and Texas State are probably the three most likely, you know, the three contenders of the Sun Belt West. Tell you what, though, that early season loss to Old Dominion, which is still a head-scratcher to me, that conference loss may come back and get the Rage and Cajuns. On the other side, on the east, J-Mad, Georgia Southern, and Marshall are all unbeaten. Old Dominion's 2-1 and one in conference play as well, but it's fascinating because, you know, you look at these games coming up, uh, Georgia State is going to be a challenge. They're 4-1. South Alabama is interesting at 500. Arkansas State is 500 as well, as it turns out. Southern Miss is bad, and Troy is good. And then ULM to wrap up the year, who isn't great either. So, you know, you could – 
Detroit would be tough, but you could conceivably start stacking together some wins here. And they're foreign, too. You look at those two losses. Like I talked about, Minnesota got away from them with turnovers, and they just never looked good against Old Dominion. But outside of that, they smoked Northwestern State. They smoked UAB. They hung on to beat Buffalo and then rallied to beat the uh, Texas State team. So they're, they're, they put themselves in a pretty decent position to make a run at it. But, man, as much as I don't think playing James Madison would go great, <laughs> I would love to see Raging Cajuns, James Madison Dukes for the Sunbelt Conference title. That would be a lot of fun. Well, James Madison is receiving votes in the top 25. They've got seven seven votes for that, which duly respectable. I mean, like I said, the Sunbelt Conference never won to shy away from especially when you still had Appalachian State in there, when Appalachian State used to be a, um, how do you say this, perennial top 25, um, What's the, now Now I really am looking for the word, uh, we'll just go with the easy one, the upsetter. So App State usually doing the dirty work there. Well, and I think if you look at the Sun Belt right now, if the Raging Cajuns beat Minnesota, they'll probably, they probably would have gotten votes too. Oh, yeah, 100%. And Troy, I don't even know. We'll see who Troy played here quick. I don't even know who Troy's played. A bunch of nobodies other than Kansas State that boat raced them. So, yeah, they they were ranked last year. Troy was, but Kansas State beat them 42-13. to So, you're not going to stay ranked when you play a team and get mauled that bad by them. But it is interesting. Indeed. And now I had to look because I've been excited for this matchup ever since I knew it was on the schedule, ever since both teams have exceeded expectations. This week is a battle for the Pac-12 Part 1. This week is a battle of the two unbeatens out of the three that are left within the Pac-12. For those of you who are unsure about who I am talking about, the number one undefeated team in the Pac-12 who has full control, who is 4-0 in conference play because they just played conference games, even though USC will play a lot of good people. I just spoiled it for you. The 6-0 USC Trojans led by Heisman Trophy winner from last year, Caleb Williams. Now, the next two teams behind him that I have been so freaking stoked for this game the Oregon Ducks sitting at 2 and 0 in the Pac-12 conference, 5 and 0 overall, facing the Washington Huskies. 2 and 0, 5 and 0 overall. Washington ranked 7th in the country, Oregon ranked 8th. Bonix, Michael Penix Jr., this is probably going to be one of the most gritty football games of the year, and if it's a blowout one side or the other, I wouldn't expect that. Honestly, it is it has been one that I have been super excited for if both teams were going to be at this undefeated point even if they weren't, they are still dogs. Last year, Penix Jr. and Washington really making headway. Penix Jr. made his run for a potential Heisman vote winner. Didn't really make the cut even though his numbers were there. Now this year still doing the same thing. Almost 2000 yards already passing. 
16 touchdowns, only two interceptions. You go to Bo Nix on the other end. 1,400 yards passing, 15 touchdowns, one interception. Quarterback battle, super, super similar. Both athletic, able to run the ball, evade pressure, making great reads, not careless with the football. You go to the entire rest of the team for stats. Oregon, 557 yards of total offense average this season, netted. Washington, on average, 569 yards per game. Pretty decently even on that side of the ball. Passing-wise, Washington has more with Penix Jr. you got 400 yards passing Oregon to 300. Rushing the ball, Oregon is the opposite. They've got 200 over 123. Yards allowed per game. Washington, this is going to be their biggest killer. They allow a lot of yards, but they don't allow a lot of points. Per game, Washington, definitely, defense is a lot, is strong. Although, you take a look at this Oregon team, Back-to-back weeks of only allowing six points. One of those teams, the Colorado Buffaloes and Deion Sanders. Now, Colorado's, or excuse me, Oregon's schedule at the beginning of the year. Portland State, 81-7. to Everybody thought that was going to be a boat race. Sure as shit it was. You come back to a Texas Tech team who this Texas Tech Red Raider team is strong this year. Not where they would like to be. And Oregon kind of came out with a little bit of a scare there, but a pick six at the end of the game makes it a 38-30 ball game. Hawaii, 55-10, easy. Colorado, everybody expected this game to kind of be a little bit of a push-and-shove match. No, Oregon said you guys can keep your trash talk where it belongs in the trash. Oregon, boat race. We're playing for wins, not clicks and likes. Literally, 42-6. Dion gets D out of Oregon. Stanford, 42-6, Oregon win. You take a look at this Washington schedule. Boise State, 56-19. Tulsa, 43-10. Michigan State, 41-7. Er, Cal, biggest scoring game so far that Washington's allowed this year. 59-32. Arizona, 31-24. Two Heisman Trophy potential quarterbacks on the ballot. Going toe-to-toe. Two unbeatens in college football, 5-0. Going toe-to-toe. Two top 10 teams going toe-to-toe, and this is all going to happen in Washington. This is the marquee matchup of the week. If you guys can find me any other matchup, and I have looked at this schedule, folks. I have looked at this schedule. None of them impress me like this one does. Literally. Penn State, you've got Massachusetts. Sounds like Donald Trump is breaking down the, uh, <laughs> the games there. Frankly, I've looked at all the other games, and none of them... None of them impressed me very much at all. You, have, you haven't been able to impress me. You can just go back to China. Frankly, I don't even know why we're playing any games that Saturday. <laughs> because they all stink. And none they of them stink. Oh. Incredibly disappointing. Sad. The rest of them are the Mike Pence of college football. <laughs> Good Lord, we're getting way too oh, deep into this. Calm down. Oh, man. Other other good matchups here. I'll I'll go through this. Other good matchups for college football. Number ten USC takes out a, a strong Notre Dame Fighting Irish team. Caleb Williams looking to still continue his run and kind of make a dominant stare against a Notre Dame team already lost to Ohio State. Trying to still see if they can make a name in college football. Um, Notre Dame is always shaky every year when it comes to being able to keep where they are at. The U. Number 25, Miami takes out number 12, North Carolina. Mac Brown still keeping this Tar Heels team's dreams alive, getting through it. 
Another good matchup to actually kind of look at. Missouri's not ranked this year, but they or not ranked this game, but they were last week. They've got a Kentucky team who just lost the number one uh, loss of the year to Georgia, who's ranked 24. That would actually be a good game in the SEC. And then taking on one of the other kind of dark horses of the Pac-12, the Oregon State Beavers, number 15, taking on UCLA Bruins. Also, this is an interesting fact that I found on Twitter the other day, and I think I liked it because I just want to make sure I get the stat right. Or should I say X? Because Elon Musk decides that he must run everything in the world. Yes, yes, it 100% is Twitter. I have never been able to just call it X, and I don't even know if I – where was this stat line? I I remember seeing it, but I remember that I do remember the actual number though. If I can go back through this here, hold on. I know I have it. I gotta have it. I gotta have it. I gotta have it. If in case anybody's wondering, I am scrolling through my Twitter feed at the moment because this stat was actually well. Great. While you scroll through the old Twitter feed, Thursday football for college. We had a walk off winner. Houston gets it done first Big Twelve win. They knock off West Virginia forty one thirty nine on a forty nine yard hail mary. Donovan Smith to Stephon Johnson. 41-39, SMU and the American knocks off East Carolina 31-10. Interesting one there was 14-10 at the break, SMU. They scored 17 fourth-quarter points. West Virginia-Houston was 21-17, Houston going to the fourth. That game had a combined 42 fourth-quarter points. So, yeah, and then you got Friday the 13th games today. Interesting matchup, 7 o'clock Central. Tulane and Memphis and the American both four and one, one and zero. Oh. Seven o'clock, Fresno State one and uh, one in Mountain West play five and one overall picks on Utah State. And in the nightcap, one and four Stanford zero oh and three in the Pac-12 takes on Colorado four and two, one and two in the Pac-12. Favorites in all three. Tulane is four and a half point favorites on the road. Fresno State is four-point favorites on the road over Utah State and Colorado, perhaps their biggest spread so far in the Pac-12, 11.5-point favorites at home taking on Stanford. I found it. I got it. This one is going to be – this is a fun fact. So, everybody knows the original Blue Bloods of college basketball. North Carolina, Duke, UCLA, Kansas, Kentucky, right? So everybody's with me on that. Folks, sometimes these teams are ranked in football. Sometimes they really aren't. Sometimes multiple are ranked in football. Sometimes some aren't. I can proudly say, and so can the NCAA, they ain't basketball schools anymore, kids. For the first time since 1939, when the AP poll was created, all five of the original college basketball Blue Bloods are ranked in the top 25 AP at the same time. North Carolina ranked 12th in the country. The Duke Blue Devils, 17. UCLA, 18. The Rock Chalk Jayhawks sitting at number 23, and Kentucky barely about made this not happen after their loss to Georgia, but they're sitting over at 24. So for the first time since 1939, all those schools that are originally basketball schools are ranked for the same time. I kind of think that's actually somewhat impressive. Sitting out the fun facts 
as we close in on Friday the 13th. Oh, God. <laughs> Ugh, yeah. That's that's going to all change. All of them are going to lose and get dropped out of the top 25. <laughs> now that I said Probably. that. There's a lot that are, like, teetering as it is. So, oh, yeah. yeah, that wouldn't shock me. But anyhow, folks, if un- unless JC has anything else to add to the night. No, I really don't. Well, we have run in on your guys' two-hour time limit of your attention span. We appreciate your guys' attention span being two hours because sometimes we know that both of ours are not. Obviously, if you can't tell, sometimes when we go through tangents on this podcast. But tomorrow, today, whenever you listen, or yesterday... It's Friday the 13th of October of 2023. So make sure you find some friends and uh, stay alive. Just kidding. We know the bad luck is not going to try to haunt you that bad. So hopefully you guys have a great Friday the 13th. Hopefully you guys just have a great rest of your Friday weekend, wherever you guys are, are chilling at. Have some beers. Watch some football. Watch some hockey Go out with some friends. Enjoy the last bit of sunshine that we're going to have left here, at least in southeast Iowa. But just go yeah, enjoy the weekend. Northwest Iowa is even worse. Vegas just scored again for those keeping score. It's now a 4-1 game with 1749 to go third quarter or third quarter. Third period, this game looks close until the final, like, three minutes of the second period. And Vegas is doing what Vegas does against San Jose, who is not very good. But there you go. That'll be our last update for this one. The nights are rolling, baby, as RC would say. It's nighttime. So, with that, as we get a little dig in there, thank you guys for listening to episode number 70 of The Covert Show. We hope you guys have enjoyed. If you guys find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, please leave us a follow at The Covert Show at all those platforms. And we will see you guys later. Have a great rest of your weekend and enjoy.